Hey listeners, welcome to another exciting episode of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. This is number 14. Um, you can reach us at ovpodcast at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. You can find all three of us on Twitter, uh, at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. And look for us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Obsessive Viewer. Lastly, check out the blog. We've got all kinds of stuff on there. Uh, articles, trailers, and of course the past episodes of the podcast. So check that out. In this week's episode, we uh, did the Yahoo Answers thing again. And then after that, there's a little debate between myself and Mike. Uh, to let you know, we recorded it a while ago, so the sound quality will be noticeably different. Hopefully it doesn't throw you too much. Um, hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks, guys. So we're coming to the end of the summer 2013 season of the Obsessive Viewer podcast. You can't see me, but I just made air quotes. Um, <laughs> basically, it's just the end of this batch of episodes, and we have some uh, we have some what I call B-roll of stuff we've recorded along the way that I've kind of saved uh, that didn't really have a place. Like we have a a debate that I'm going to throw up later, and then. All that. So this is basically the episode where we just have kind of a general hodgepodge of stuff that we um, didn't get a chance to put into past episodes and some new stuff that like we're going to play with the Yahoo Answers again and, uh, you know, just kind of have a laid back episode. So uh, what do you guys want to start with? Hmm. Yahoo Answers. Yahoo Answers? Let's do it. Can't go wrong. All right. I so, think we should call it a... Pod Podge. <laughs> that's a that's good. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> you might be the only one. All right. So I think the first segment in our Pod Podge is Pod Podge. Yahoo Answers. Yes. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> now I have uh, queued up several questions from Yahoo Answers. Once again, this idea for um, a Yahoo Answers segment is inspired by the podcast Slightly Sauced, which I found on Reddit at one point, and then I've been listening to it ever since. Basically, this group of Canadians get together once a week, they have a few drinks, and they talk about some uh, um, news and, and current events kind of stuff from either either America or U.S. <laughs> or uh, can, uh, Canada or just the world over. It's it's really interesting, and it's a fun, laid-back kind of podcast, and it's, it's pretty fun. Mm. I love a good marinara sauce. <laughs> nice. Like when we go nice. to the Olive Garden, I'm like, I want to get sauced. <laughs> we can <laughs> go on. Let's start the segment. I've got nothing. <laughs> I've got nothing for that, Mike. <laughs> um, so that was some quality Canadian caliber humor. There you go. It was. <laughs> That's a very friendly joke. <laughs> a very friendly joke. Yeah. Eh? yeah. <laughs> that was kind of <laughs> Irish, tiny. <laughs> it was a very friendly joke. Hey. Well, it's you know it's it's opening week of college football. The Irish play today. Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. So, yeah. But this will go up. This will go up six days after they've played. So why don't you give us a that's recap true. of the game? Yeah, How, tiny. How'd they do? <laughs> they were amazing. Yeah, they won like seventy-five to nothing. Yeah. Wow, wow and that. <laughs> so that. Chihuahua getting eaten on the field didn't really have anything to do with anything. 
That's weird that you didn't lead off with that, Tiny. It <laughs> <laughs> was a quite a victorious day for the Irish. <laughs> how was how was was the loss of Monte Teo? Was it felt? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Did he ever really exist? He got catfished again. <laughs> By an actual catfish. Nice. <laughs> Who then went and <laughs> ate the chihuahua. <laughs> All right, should we get started? I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> For those of you still listening, we're starting Yahoo Answers now. <laughs> um, now, I have a horrible memory, so I don't remember if you guys have seen this movie. I think, I think you guys have both seen this movie. I know Tiny definitely has. But the first question is, is Silent House scary? Um, hmm. Yeah, and they ask, is it, is it really scary? disgusting or is it okay? Like, I don't like disgusting. <laughs> um, huh. Well, it's not now, disgusting at all. It's not. No. No. And Silent House, they're talking about the Elizabeth Olsen American version? I assume so, because okay. the, the, is it Spanish? Brazilian? It's, I want to say it's Paraguayan. Oh, yeah, or? it is. Paraguay. Okay. Yes. Paraguay. Okay, the, the, the original is called The Silent House, but... For those who don't know, Silent House is the movie um, has Elizabeth Olsen. It's kind of main gimmick is that it's purported to be shown in, in one continuous take, but obviously there are disguised cuts throughout it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's basically this girl is in a house with her uh, father and uncle, and they're at the mercer at the mercy at the mercy wow <laughs> of a, of a mysterious intruder who's trying to kill them and stuff. Um, and apparently it's based on a true story, you know, how they, really? at least, you know, by their, by their accord, it's yeah. a true story or whatever. Like how the possession it's, it's more, <laughs> it's more of a, like a, it's become a myth, really. It's, okay. There's like a few facts and then it's like people kind of pieced, pieced together a, a myth, if you will. Sure. Interesting. Right. Huh. Yeah. So what did you guys think of Silent House? You guys have both seen it. Well, let's say, yeah. I want to say really fast that <laughs> stupid Americans, it's uh, actually Uruguay. Uruguay. Is it yeah. okay? Uh, well, in our defense, they sound yeah similar. See if there's a, see if there's a way we can you can sneak that in. You know it's what not I mean? edit it's, around. It's, uh, sure. it's not. It's not unc- we, we're pretty pretty regularly xenophobic <laughs> on this podcast, <laughs> right? So <laughs> I think they'll understand. Yeah, um, just, um, it's our sister podcast, the Obsessive American. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think I, I'm gonna bother with that in the end or anything. Okay. Uh, I've actually I haven't seen the uh, I haven't seen the American one. I saw really uh, the Uruguayan one. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, I thought it was the other way around. I didn't think any of us had seen the Uruguayan one. Okay. No, I saw the Uruguayan. What'd one. you think of the original? Um, it, it you're right. It was I, you used the word gimmick. That's mm-hmm. that's a that's a very suitable term. Um, I it was I mean it was it was kind of interesting to watch for that reason, but it was a gimmick. It wore off pretty quick. Hmm. Uh, Seeing that, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of long takes. I oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I think it's an amazing skill, an amazing filmmaking skill. Um, but this kind of you know, the entire movie's one take that kind of cheapens it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it it as as far as answering the question, was it scary? Uh, well, you know, it's real. That's that's a relative right relative thing for me. Not so much. Um, but I could understand how people would be scared by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more eerie and and disturbing because it involved there was like a whole a whole voyeuristic undertone to it i guess mm-hmm. to the to the creepiness of it that was was pretty effective but i i wouldn't necessarily call it scary 
Um, okay. So yeah, that's that's my opinion. What about what about you guys? Mike, you saw the American remake, the American right? version. Yep, okay. Elizabeth Olsen, uh, mm. and she was very good in it. She was really good, but uh, scary? I don't think so. And it has been a while since I've seen it. Um, and the fact that I can't remember much of it, I think says says a lot about the quality of the movie. It was okay, uh, mm-hmm. and I I think while you're right, uh, being movies being scary is subjective. I would say even still that it's on the lower end of scary, in in just the scary spectrum, you know, okay. mm-hmm. of of objectivity. I I, I think it's pretty uh, pretty tame. Okay, yeah i i liked I liked the American version. I haven't seen the the original, but and I think the be- best thing that I liked about it was Elizabeth Olsen's performance. Um, yeah, I just think she it could have been just kind of a run of the mill kind of like horror movie kind of thing. But I think a factor of that is that that was one of her one of her, if not her very first uh, movie, mm-hmm. and you can mm-hmm. see like she she really gave it her all that you don't really see that kind of commitment to acting in horror movies mm-hmm. um i thought it was i thought it was cool um as far as scary um yeah it's it's like we've both like we've all said it's subjective and everything but it's i, I don't know uh, it was kind of frightening it was a little unsettling in a few parts but other than that it didn't really stay with me like paranormal activity did so i guess in response to the uh, to the Yahoo answer question person, I would say um, if you you sound interested, so I would see it because it is not mm-hmm. too much to avoid. And if you're interested in the least, go see it. Yes, I, I agree with that. And yeah. no, it is not disgusting. So no, yeah. no it's not no, not at all. Okay, good. Um, next question. This one I don't expect. I don't expect us to answer it, and uh, as of this recording, it's been up for like three hours, but it has no responses, and I'm pretty sure it's not going to, <laughs> but <laughs> comedy movies that feature the national anthem from 1990 to 2013, list them, please. What? <laughs> you just hit us with a curveball. Right? <laughs> yeah. So. Wait, just say it again. Hang on. Say it again. Okay. <laughs> It's uh, comedy movies that okay. feature the national anthem from 1990 to 2013. List them, wow. please. Wow. Who who wants to know that? That's that's, that's what I was wondering. Um, well, think of sports huh. movies. Do you, um, yeah. yeah, in exactly. Angels in the Outfield, they they do the national anthem, and then the one guy says. Isn't isn't it about a guy named Jose? <laughs> I think that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. So angels in the outfield. Uh, do they do it in basketball? Do the national anthem? I was just looking at my DVD of basketball. I don't <laughs> recall. That is a great it's, movie. It is a really great. Oh, movie. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't remember. I'm sure they do at some point. Hmm. That is. Uh, that's a heck of a question, man. It is. Yeah, maybe something like the Water Boy. <laughs> yeah, they might sing it Possibly. in that. Like I can see, I can. Well, I don't know. I feel like it might be kind of. It's a funny kind of mirror to. 
our society, I guess. Like, oh, hey, list all of these things. It's just the most obscure thing. Like, internet, give me this information. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it's give me this information that I could just look up myself. Exactly. Right. That's just ridiculously arbitrary. Right. Yeah, have someone else have someone else do all the grunt work for yeah. you. Uh, call back yeah. to an older episode. They they sing the national anthem in Mighty Ducks. However, uh-huh. halfway through the national anthem, the the music kind of drops out, and you just get score in the background of like Gordon Bombay and and the other coach kind of eyeing each other. Huh. Okay, mm-hmm. for for uh, intensity. Okay, right. but there is a partial recording of it. There is, but yeah, it starts. Okay, like I kind of wonder if this question asker um, is. I wonder if he's. I wonder if they're putting together something. Maybe it's for an assignment, or maybe it's just putting together for some kind of YouTube video or something. Mm-hmm. But if I don't, I don't envy them. Whatever the case is, no. yeah, me neither. Like if it's <laughs> if it's for like a for like a YouTube video or something like something like cutting together all these comedy movies to make a full yeah a national super cut anthem with all the national anthem yeah. yeah. But if they're if they're cutting corners at this early of a stage for that, then I don't think we're going to be seeing that anytime soon. No. Hmm. That's a good point. Uh, interesting. Weird question. Actually, it's not. It, it's not <laughs> yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, next question. This one This one is going to be... I'm so glad that we mentioned that and that I found the one about Silent House because that reminds me of an answer for this one. Um, <laughs> movies about psychological abuse. Um, and it says oh, the geez. supplement of that question is... I was wondering if some of you know any movies that is... Re- that are really about uh, psychological abuse. Like, sorry. <laughs> like, I know Tangled is about that, so as Mommy Dearest. What? what? Wow. Is there any more of those shows about this effect? Tangled? Tangled? Yeah. The Disney, the Disney flick? Well, horrible grammar aside, <laughs> um, I guess, because I haven't seen Tangled, but isn't it basically like a Rapunzel kind of thing? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. I yeah, haven't seen it either. Where it's like maybe the, the evil stepmother or evil mother or something is mm-hmm. keeping her huh. at the... I don't know. But let's ignore that supplement that is, for the so sake of broad. our sanity. That's such a it broad is. question. Yeah. Like yeah. emotional abuse. I mean, man. Yeah. Well, what kind of uh, answer are they looking for? Yeah, I'm not sure what they want either. Right. Uh, arguably, almost every movie has some kind of psychological abuse right. in it. Right. Yeah. Uh, Otherwise yeah. known as plot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or conflict. Yeah. Basic conflict. conflict. Uh, huh. But the one that jumped to mind was Mary Mar... I don't remember what it's called. The L- Martha, L- Martha Marcy May Marlene. There you go. With Elizabeth Olsen, yeah, callback. Because yeah. uh, in the movie, she's she was in she was in like a cult. Hmm. Um, of yeah, sorts. that's she. She was fantastic in that. Oh, yeah. And actually, I think I've only I think I've seen her in a couple things, and she's she's never been bad. She's mm-hmm. she's great. But uh, that was a really good depiction of psychological abuse, mm-hmm. uh, and a pretty unique. Not necessarily unique, but a a common a common occurrence, like kind of a Stockholm syndrome type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she she depicted that really well in that in that movie. Um, I don't yeah. think Mike's seen it. Do you want to? I haven't. 
Okay. Do you want to, okay. Tiny, do you want to give like an overview of the plot? I mean, I think we already pretty much covered it, but. Yeah, basically she, she plays a 16, 17 year old girl, something like that. Elizabeth Ol- Olsen. And she, she kind of runs away, I guess. Um, I think that's what it is. She runs away and she, she mm-hmm. kind of finds her way into this commune essentially. And it turns out that, you know, it's, it is kind of cultish if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the cult leaders played by John Hawks. Yes, he was uh, amazing. Of course, yeah, perfectly. He's he's great at everything, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's she, I don't know if I'd say escapes or if she just runs away again from that mm-hmm. relationship. And it's it's kind of about her, her trying to. She, she goes. She runs back to her sister, who's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of a convoluted plot, or it's it kind of. Uh, it's it's strange, but it's it was a really good movie though, in my opinion. I think it's on instant. I I it might be on instant, but it was it was yeah. I agree, it was really good. It was very strong performances and the cult leader kind of thing, that, that plot line it was patterned after uh Charles Manson, I believe. Okay. Which it really shows through with that. Yeah, that's uh, fitting. Yeah. But that's it's a really a, yeah. good one. Don't don't base whether or not you want to watch it on my synopsis because <laughs> that was very uh inept but it's it's a good movie i highly recommend it yeah cool um yeah and another another one i thought of would um this is more this is more just about an abusive relationship and it's kind of i don't know i don't know if you'd even call it an abusive relationship but blue blue valentine Mm, yeah um like it's more it's more they kind of they kind of turn into an abusive relationship on both of their parts, right. um, and then it, it acts out into there's some violence in it, like a little bit when when she hits him and stuff. Yeah. Um. Oh man, that scene. If you guys haven't seen Blue Valentine, I highly suggest checking it out because that movie just it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is. But that scene where they're at, where they're at her work and they're arguing, and she's. Uh, like I think I think Mike I think you had some thoughts on it but I I thought that it was just it was a really good depiction of two people who shouldn't really have gotten together. I mean mm-hmm. when at the start of the relationship in the movie it's it, they work well together and everything but it just turns into like they just shouldn't have stayed together. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I first saw it <laughs> that year I called it the uh the scariest movie of the year. Yeah, exactly. And that's wow. that's point spot on. Yeah. Huh. And which by the way, if you haven't seen the movie, it's not it's not it's not terrifying scary. You know what I right. mean? It's not a scary movie, but it's about just how a relationship based on something pretty innocent, pretty happy can just mm-hmm. can just crumble and go wrong. Yeah. It's just kind of a scary thing. Nice right. interpretation. Yeah. Yes. What were we gonna say? Sorry. Oh, that's fine. Uh, but that's it. I mean, I don't know how else to answer that question. I mean, yeah, that's too. You, it's too broad. Yeah. 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 There's all kinds of movies. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. Okay. A haunted house would be a good one because it's psychologically abusive to the audience. <laughs> I imagine I haven't seen it. It is awesome. Really? That movie is hilarious. Really. Really. Interesting. Really. I was trying to think of another uh, another go-to bad movie for that, but I don't know. 
No, that I'm. Hmm. Yeah, I w- I was huh. disappointed because I thought you had seen it and said that, but no, um, that movie's really actually awesome. Do you remember the first huh. scary movie, which was actually really funny? Oh yeah, it's similar to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. I might have to check it out. I I might check it out tonight or tomorrow because I'm probably going to be stuck here all weekend because my condition. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I'll keep it vague for the listeners so they won't have any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> my affliction has left me at home all weekend. Yeah. I'm sure we'll be we'll be flooded with with uh concerned Concern. emails. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Hint hint. Yes. So anyway, yeah, that's that's a broad question. Super broad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially with the example being tangled. I mean, yeah, with that, that opens, I have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. That opens the door to just any movie with a vague psychological, it's all based on interpretations of the movie too. Mm-hmm. So it's all, it's all vague. Um, it's all open to vague interpretations and everything. Sure. If they had said like that are specifically about psychological abuse, then sure. yeah. they might have a fighting chance, but. Who knows? Right. Uh, what is next? Um, okay. Um, this one is a, another one that's kind of broad. Um, but it, I really only picked it because of the shout out to one of my favorite movies from the past few years. Um, what's a good intense drama movie like The Social Network? Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. Again, uh, yeah, so much to choose so from. Much. Is that an yeah. intense drama movie? You know, it's pretty no, subtle. It is. I, I, I mean, would it, say it's tense. It's tense. Not necessarily there you go. Intense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Um, huh? Yeah, that's true. Intense drama. The, uh, that's what. That's what this uh, segment is now going to be: us criticizing people's Yahoo answer <laughs> questions. <Yeah. laughs> Jeez. Uh. <laughs> uh intense drama uh, eight millimeter. Oh that's a that's more disturbing than intense. Mm. Uh a lot of people don't like that movie. Right. Um but uh, I think it's it strikes a note that just sticks in your mind mm-hmm. and doesn't get away from you. Mm-hmm. That's why I always remember that movie. Um I don't know, just Kind of just looking at my DVD collection. Say, why, the, right. why the question is so vague is is that uh, what made Social Network so awesome was how original it was. And yeah. for me, why I connected with it is because it harkened back to a time. You know what I mean? I, it was it was about the uh, the genesis of of Facebook, and and that was what was so mm-hmm. cool about it. Not so much the the tension, which was good, but um, it was about oh, I, you know, I remember when. Facebook first went live, and I remember in 04, 05, setting up a Facebook and getting ready to go off to college. Like, it it, it was indicative of a time, and then the story was good. So, to say another movie that is intense like that, I, I don't know. I don't know. There is no. I agree. There is mm-hmm. no movie. And it was, like, kind of, it was unique in that, I mean, it's like a, it's a Rashomon-style court drama mm-hmm. about IP um, IP case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you, you don't really get much of that these days at the cinema. Right. Uh, True. Yeah. Hmm. I don't yeah. know. Um, 
I'm looking at my DVD collection too, and I can't really think. How about we amend it to um, tense court dramas? A few good men. Okay. A few yeah, good men. Yeah. Love, Another Sorkin movie. Aaron Sorkin. Yep. Um, I would say uh, Primal Fear. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Also, that that harkens back to psychological abuse. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ed Norton's first movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, f- amazing performance. Oh yeah. Um, I would go with either uh, Twelve Angry Men, just because I've been meaning to rewatch it. But great movie. Really good movie. I, I loved it. Yeah. Um, either that or another movie I've been meaning to rewatch. I have like I. Like, I have a mental list of courtroom dramas I want to watch again. Um, I'll get to them eventually. But the other one is A Time to Kill. Love that movie. Mm-hmm. Liar, liar. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. <laughs> <laughs> would, uh, Sam Jackson. would To Kill a Mockingbird be a courtroom drama? I mean, that's not the whole uh, drama, but. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Would be. yeah. Okay. It's about a lawyer. <laughs> well, it's, it's about, about a southern lawyer. It's about childhood. I guess the movie yeah, is about uh, yeah, lawyer, I mean, but I mean the book is about Scout. Right. You know. Right, that's true. Yeah, so good answers uh, all around. Yeah. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, the anytime I think of, of Emily Rose. <laughs> <laughs> anytime I think of Philadelphia, wow, I think that of, actually, that's actually a good example. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, that's fine. Um, anytime I think of Philadelphia, I think of Peter Griffin <laughs> in the theater being like, oh, yeah, that's the guy from Big. He's hilarious. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, he's everything he says is a riot. And he's like, I have AIDS. And he's like, he just starts laughing. <laughs> Horrible. Uh, let's see. Next one is what are some good trilogy movies? Ooh. Oh, stop it. <laughs> they list some examples that. The examples are Dark Knight Trilogy, Terminator Trilogy, they can't count, um, <laughs> Lord of the Rings, Back to the Future, Spider-Man, and The Mummy. So well, what other good trilogies are there? If you say they can't count, they also couldn't count with the Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? I would give them a pass because I would consider The Hobbit... A separate, there, it's going to be a trilogy in itself too. So I would consider Terminator Salvation separate. Then, really, yeah. On what grounds? Yeah, in that it was intended to also be a trilogy set in the future. Huh. I didn't know it was intended to be a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Well, if you're going to use the word trilogy, the trilogy that is referred to as the trilogy is Star Wars. That's mm-hmm. true, and they didn't list I that mean, on there. Yeah, that's you, could, you could just you can just say there. the words the trilogy, and right. people know what you're talking about. Right. So. Okay. Yeah, they they named a lot of the big ones. They did. Um, um, Back to the Future. They named that one. Yeah. They yeah. did name that one. Sorry, yeah. I wasn't listening. No, it's, <laughs> it's they cool. named they named the Mummy. And I would say that The Mummy is a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a good one. The first one yeah. is a fun movie. Sure. I was going to say... It's, it's fun. I was going to say when reading that, I was going to say one of these are is not like the other ones. Yeah. The third one was horrendous. That's what I've heard. So, that's that's yeah. pretty much the standard for any trilogy, though. Mm-hmm. Um, a recent trilogy... 
pretty good one would be the the girl with the dragon tattoo, the Swedish ones. Oh yeah, I've been Those reading are... the first book. I I need to finish it, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Those the are Iron really Man good. trilogy. Nice. Iron Man trilogy. Did they mm. mention the Matrix? They didn't, and I was going to bring that up. Which, nice. I mean, the first Matrix movie is just incredible. Yeah, but it is great. It stands on a different level than the other two movies. Absolutely, but I really do like the other movies. Okay, I, I liked Reloaded until the end, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I like them. Huh. I like them both. Uh, there's well, this isn't this isn't a trilogy again, but uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah, the Bourne trilogy, mm-hmm. which That's isn't true. a trilogy anymore. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Three Colors trilogy. Have you seen any of those? I've not seen them. I haven't seen them either. People talk about them all the time. Yeah, right. Neither. Um, oh, the uh, the man with no name. Oh, so there you go. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, Although I'm not really a fan of uh, For A Few Dollars More all that much. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, the Godfather. Yes. Godfather trilogy, yeah. I mean, people talk a lot of crap about the third one, but... It's better than the Mummy Three. That's true, and it's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and and the first two are so just iconic and yeah, just so incredible, Im- impeccably made that it it's the rare occasion where it makes up for the third lacking. Hmm. Um, I'm about to hit a at a hat trick for callbacks. The Mighty Ducks trilogy. Oh, nice! nice. You like that? I like it. I like yep. it. Well done. Um. And then I was also going to mention uh, Toy Story Trilogy. Yeah. That's a great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Scream, is that? I guess because the fourth one is called Four, you can't really call it a Yeah, I was going to mention that, but... Which I would... is unfortunate, but the but what I like about Four is that it the whole idea of Four is to not do another one. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're making fun of the reboot. They're making fun of the tag-on episode. Yeah. So I, so I almost kind of want to call that a trilogy plus one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll agree with that. What, what's the one? Harold and, and Kumar. Kumar. Harold and Kumar. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched the third one yet. It's uh, actually it's, really funny. I, it's uh, really good. Yeah. I didn't like that it was a Christmas movie. Yeah. Well, you can only because watch it on Christmas. Inside? Yeah. Huh? Because you're dead inside? <laughs> right. Well, I just felt like Harold and Kumar, I mean, I feel like they should have had a... A separate of I don't know. I felt like it, making it a Christmas movie was more like, okay, well, let's cash in on this holiday. Yeah, it, it does bottleneck it. Yeah, more. exactly. Yeah, that's fair. The uh, X-Men film trilogy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Still here. I guess we're talking great thing. trilogies, huh? Yeah. 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 Not even great, just good trilogies. <laughs> good trilogies. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I feel like we answered it sufficiently. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I do want to get to this next one. This one, next one is kind of like the main event one. It's the last one that I have queued up and it's the one that's going to inspire a lot of conversation, especially given our plans for, um, like I mentioned that this season of the obsessive viewer podcast is coming to close and to a close and we're going to have a, a special finale, I guess, um, that this is going to be relevant to, but the question is, and there's a long supplement that it's, uh, like when I was reading it, I was like, oh man, I'm like, I was just so annoyed cause I don't like, let me just read it. <clears throat> <laughs> um, 
The question is, why do people think Christopher Nolan is a fantastic director these days? Okay. Oh. And Jeez. Yeah. Are you guys ready for the supplement? Yeah. All yeah. right. <clears throat> His cinematography isn't great. In parentheses, okay. Stanley Kubrick's cinematography was much better than his in his first movie. The his, the second his in that sentence, I'm not sure to which he's referring. I assume he's referring to Stanley Kubrick had better cinematography in his first movie than Christopher Nolan has in any movie. In, in it, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, his stories aren't very good. And then this this parentheses... It's just, it's so perfect because it's so, it lacks so much self-awareness. But he says his stories aren't very good. And then he puts, he bases them usually off of someone else's writings. <laughs> right wow. after, well, at, well, right, right. If we're being technical, mm -hmm. Batman, it's all based on other writings. Well, so. Honestly, and isn't isn't the the prestige the prestige from a book? is based it on a book, a book, and in, actually Inception is the only original original Nolan movie yeah. since Following. So yeah, screw you. But Matt. that's irrelevant. Yeah. No, no, what no. Does that have but to that's do? irrelevant <laughs> because the point I want to make is that in the previous one, he mentioned Stanley Kubrick, two thousand one, yeah. yeah, A Clockwork Orange, yeah, um, a ton of other movies, The uh, Shining, The Shining, yeah, yeah. So it's just it's. He's that shooting his funny. argument in the foot. I'm pretty sure that's a troll. It probably is. It yeah, honestly somebody, probably is. Right. Yeah. Super troll. Yeah. Because totally. no one thinks that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's true. I didn't even yeah. consider it being a troll. Oh, man. Yeah. So, all right. I'll keep reading the rest. And, and You didn't consider it being a troll? I didn't because it was so effective that I was just annoyed. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Um, Good on them. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Well, to answer the question, uh -huh. nobody thinks that. <laughs> Moving up. next. Next nice. question. Um, but the 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 rest of the supplement is his films are very action packed with forced substance. Forced substance is the process when the characters and the stories explain the morals of the film straight in your face, so that they know you they so that you know all of the morals in the film before you even leave the theater. For example, in Batman Begins, quote, it's not who you are. Actually, I'll do I'll do a Batman voice. It's not who I can't do a Batman voice. Good try. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not who you are underneath. It's what you do that defines you. Um, and then you put most film directors use this forced substance technique out of fear that audiences will leave your film not thinking about the deep moral code your film has underneath its outer layer. Uh but films like Taxi Driver, The Godfather, Goodfellas, Twelve Angry Men, Clockwork Orange, and 2001 A Space Odyssey never used forced substance, and they were still way more effective than any of Christopher Nolan's movies. You know, I'll actually give him that. Yeah. I, 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 don't, know if, I don't know if I'd use the word forced, uh, but he is... Nolan is super exposition heavy. Oh, he really is. I'll um, give him that. Which, yeah, which on... on Initially, it's okay. It doesn't mm -hmm. bother me. But on repeat viewings, especially like something like Inception, which is just yeah, so Ellen Page's character should yeah. have just been called exposition. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's I'll give him that. Yeah, but I I don't know. The rest of the movie is so mind-bogglingly insane. Mm -hmm. All of his movies that insanely good that it just doesn't. I don't know. 
Right. It is, and there's so much else going on in Inception that sometimes something like that you kind of need to be simplified. Yeah, you know it, was, I mean? it doesn't it doesn't make right. you simple to have to hear that, but you can enjoy the other deeper things. You can enjoy the the twists and things mm-hmm. if you get exposition told to you. If you get that stuff out of the way, mm-hmm. yeah, the exposition was needed because it was a summer blockbuster, and yeah. it was a smart a smart mind bending movie for it was f- for a for a for an audience for for a summer audience. That's the way I. I uh, reconcile it but Mm -hmm. the rest of it is and i'm almost done with this (laughs) the rest of it is i mean what are some new things that nolan has even uh brought toward the cinema world why do people think he's a brilliant director these days and or the next kubrick what are your opinions now i do do people say he's the next kubrick no no i've never heard that no no one's ever said that i love christopher nolan i've seen all of his movies except for two in a theater and i want to see those two in a theater like he's the guy that i go i'll go opening night to see but i would never call him the next kubrick Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah i would say visually the next kubrick is pt anderson absolutely uh, because he borrows from kubrick though right he emulates him yeah not not structurally but visually He's mm-hmm. he's the new Kubrick because he does character studies and Kubrick wasn't necessarily a character study director. But J- Nolan, I've never heard anyone say that Nolan's the new, the new Kubrick. I don't. I, I I'm trying to think of someone to compare Nolan to, honestly. Uh, um. <laughs> I can't. Th- he's not Spielberg. He's not. No. He's not Ridley Scott. He's. Not, I don't know. I just. I got. I got nothing to compare him to. But he's not necessarily super unique either. I mean, I see what I see what they're saying, but mm. it's not a complaint like that. How can you complain about yeah. it? I guess what this boils down to is that this is a guy who, if he's not a troll, he's a kid who just discovered like Kubrick, I guess, mm-hmm. and is so annoyed that people don't love mm-hmm. the 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 greatest films ever. And I mean, or. He's so annoyed that people don't only love them. He's so yeah. annoyed that people give pay tribute to other talented filmmakers. And he's got this air of just pretension about him that it's just it it just bugs me. And one of the answers was <laughs> one of the answers was get a life. He makes great movies. That's why he's great. <laughs> and then the guy Good answer. Yeah. And then the guy supplemented it with and this is where He's either a troll or he's just a guy I never, ever, ever want to meet. But he says at answer giver, um, I'm guessing you're a Michael Bay fan that goes to movies for the sheer thrill of intensity, action, and cheap thrills, but could care less about deep hidden meetings and the details. Provide reasons or GTFO. Um, Couldn't. Couldn't care less. uh, Could not care less. That is one of my biggest pet peeves. Yeah, me too. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it was just uh, so that just that kind of got my got my ire a bit. Yeah, um, but yeah, he probably is a troll. I would hope so because, oh man. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, now that you give us all those details, I I think your I think your assessment that he is uh, that he is like new to Kubrick and just wants to tell the world that he's a fan seems more 
uh, more possible than just being a troll. Yeah, he's. It's like he's he's seeking validation for his pretentious movie opinions. Right. Which I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, we've all kind of been there. Some people have been there, at least. I mean, I mm-hmm. felt that way a little bit. Yeah. When I was a kid, absolutely. but absolutely. Yeah. Right. But I mean, dude, I just want to reply with you're going to grow out of this. You're going to realize there is merit in every facet of filmmaking. Yeah. No one needs to like just because someone isn't Kubrick doesn't make that doesn't make them unwatchable or anything. Right. Right. And Nolan is by all accounts a great filmmaker. He's Yeah. He's great. Right. Um Yeah. Crazy. And this the cinematography dig really got to me because he's like we we mentioned Wally Fister in a past episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a he's a fantastic cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oscar winning, yeah, exactly. Cinematographer, mm-hmm. which is a tough category to win. It is, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so yeah. So I unfounded, think, sir. Unfounded. Yes. Absolutely. With these, with those kind of people, if they, if my assessment is that he's a kid that's just really excited about being a douche, um, <laughs> if that's correct, then I mean that's just one of those things where I, I want to take that that in travel like 10 years in the future, five years in the future and just show it to him again and be like, this is what you were just, (laughs) you know, I want you to know that that's not just, just know that you should have grown from this. And I hope you did. Yeah. Like when we look Mm -hmm. back at our Facebook posts from like 2006. (laughs) Yeah. And we're like, Oh God, I was stupid. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll probably be saying the same thing in the year 2019. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> About uh, this. <laughs> uh, so that pretty much wraps up Yahoo Answers for me. Yeah, um, cool. Sure. Yeah. Yep. That was a good one. Um, next, yeah. I think we're going to play the uh, the Breakfast Club debate, which is... Oh, cool. This is a good one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like It was interesting because... I'll go ahead and just set it up. Um Basically, what happened with the Breakfast Club debate was that the first time, I believe it was the first time, you you two met, uh, or it was, digitally it was. met. It was yeah. the first day we'd ever spoken. Exactly. Yeah. So, we recorded our podcast, and uh, then we just, it was the Emmy nominations podcast, I remember, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were just like, like, Mike had just watched Breakfast Club, uh, and... and I told Tiny what he th- what Mike had thought about it, and Tiny had some rebuttals, and basically, I moderated a little debate between them. So, enjoy. So, Mike, you just recently watched The Breakfast Club, and yeah. uh, you uh, you had some thoughts. And uh, I know Tiny has some thoughts about that. Um, I do. So what I thought would be a good idea for for this is uh, to just kind of have you guys just duke it out, just have your debate about it. I uh, And I'll just kind of moderate it, or I'll, I'll kind of try to keep the peace, or I'll, I'll try to uh, make you guys hate each other as much as I can. <laughs> um, but first I'll just say that um, I, I feel like, the Breakfast Club is a great movie. It's it's timeless. I, I I love it. I feel like it's the best representation of high school students that I've seen. So I I would be biased in in any debate because it's I 
I wouldn't say it's the most realistic, but it's the best in terms of representation of like the high school hierarchy and, and the class system of, of teenagers. And I feel like, um, I feel like that, I think it's timeless in that teenagers will connect to it. Uh, like, like any teenagers, like uh, especially outcast kids who, who don't feel like they fit in, uh, to, to the high school society. I think they'll see it and feel okay about not defining themselves in a group because it's very raw kind of teen drama. Um, but I, so I've said my piece and I'll just, I'll yield the floor to you two gentlemen and, uh, let you guys debate it. Uh, so why don't we start out with, uh, uh, tiny, why don't you state your position on the breakfast club? Uh, my position is similar to Matt's on it. I, I think it's a very, it's it's a good slice of what so how how teenagers interact with each other in my opinion and how those interactions and the the affiliations you make when you're a teenager can kind of sculpt the person that you become and i think the i guess the the characters in that that movie kind of personify that ideally in my opinion and again it may not be super realistic but i think it's it's just about filling a role in my opinion. And that's, that's what those characters do in that movie. And I think it's one of the best examples of it from a teenage high school perspective. That's how I feel about it. Okay. And Mike, um, what's, what's your position on the movie? Well, um, it was okay. It's the first time I've ever seen the movie, okay? which, which I think gives me an interesting perspective. I think that's, probably uh the biggest reason from my perspective that it took me 26 and whatever a half years to see this movie that is two years older than i am um so i want to start off by saying that i don't think the movie is bad my first reaction to matt when i saw it was that i hated it and that admittedly that was knee jerk um (laughs) what i want to argue is that it doesn't hold up as well as people think it does uh, and that, in fact, audiences today would find several of the scenes laughable. Hmm. Okay. Let me start. Let me start by talking about what's done right about the movie. Hopefully, okay. uh, attempt to show that I'm not what works. The whole theme of the movie is excellent. I totally get connecting the characters uh, who want to be free of their particular cliques. I get that a lot of the stuff doesn't matter. I get that the kids have it rough and this was one of the first movies to show that in a proper way at least at least for 80s kids uh i get the fact that the movie is a character study and relies on a lot of dialogue and minimal sets or the fact that it relies on dialogue and minimal sets is a feather in its cap um i just don't think it is as well done as hmm okay i think see it Maybe it's the reason why I think it's timeless is that maybe kids don't teenagers these days aren't necessarily the the criminal or the outcast or the jock or the nerd geek whatever um, maybe they don't fit those specific archetypes but they do they do uh, interact with each other to the point where they they conflict with one another there there are clicks and they they ignore each other. They choose to ignore each other, or they choose to interact with each other. And I think that's that's what the film does well: is it shows that they all they all conflict and they all have their differences, but they have so much more in common than they realize. Um, that's 
that's what I really like about it. And I, I think the, so, so much about the film is well done from, from a directorial standpoint. It's such a straightforward movie. It's, you know, a couple kids in a library and a teacher and a janitor. It's a, it's not, it doesn't require a lot of tricky camera work or anything real, real special there. But I think the, the strength is in the, the writing and the performances. It's, it's hard to get teenagers and young actors to really dive into characters that way and embrace them to their, to their fullest potential. And I think that that's what these actors did in this movie um, all around. I think all, no, All only the... two of them were teenagers, right? I think so. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, Anthony Michael Hall and uh, what's her face? Red. Ali Sheedy. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Molly Ringwald. Ringwald. Yeah. Right. I think you're right about that. Yeah. So that's that's true. They did have a bit of an advantage there, being having moved out of that phase of their lives. They kind of had, you know, the 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 uh, gift of foresight to look back at how they were. So uh, there is that, I guess, but. I don't know. I think I think they embody the characters well. That's how I feel. I I'm gonna say I totally agree with that. I I totally uh, believe Ali Sheedy as the the whatever she is, the weirdo, weirdo um, outcast or something like that. As Anthony Michael Hall was probably the best. Maybe Emilio Estevez was just as good in in their characters. Um, so a few things that are easy to pick on that I want to get out of the way. Okay. Um, everyone talks about how well John Hughes wrote believable teenagers, and I and I can agree for the most part. He definitely doesn't write teachers well. Uh, the the supervisor teacher whatever was so one note and ridiculous. Um, like when the kid yells "f you" in class, a, a kid would get suspended from school for that, and he and he walks away. And and why wouldn't he stay in the room with the kids? Like, what was the big deal about the door? Uh, I just thought he, I just thought he was um, a, a really forgettable antagonist. I think Although it's I worth. Guess, go ahead. Uh, I think it's worth mentioning for backstory that Mike is a teacher. Uh, yeah. A okay. Teacher. Just, yeah. I was gonna get to that. I am, and that's and that's okay. a lot. Just of, to give background for the listeners, but go ahead. Yeah. Thank you. Um. So I, I that I guess that from a teacher's perspective bothered me. The other thing that is easy to pick on is Emilio Estevez's. Uh, marijuana freak out, <laughs> which, <laughs> which the which is played too straight to be intentionally over the top. It's it's very serious in his in his freak out, and when the glass breaks, it's it's it really happened. It's not like imaginary, right? Yeah. But yeah. it's so if if that's um. <laughs> I mean, I've seen several people under the influence of marijuana, and they've never acted like that before. <laughs> yeah. So that, it, that was that was kind of cringeworthy. So okay, to both of those points, completely agree on the uh, marijuana scene, the the reaction to it. That's having used marijuana a couple times. Yeah, that doesn't happen to you. That's ridiculous. I, the, the only this isn't a defense of it, but maybe. A reasoning behind why that is is that was kind of at the height of the beginning of the the time that the movie was made, 1985. That was like the height of Reagan getting into the whole drug war thing, and it was before I think that was before marijuana became a culture, and it was not as you know it wasn't as it wasn't as widely known what it's like to have been on marijuana. Yeah. So maybe 
I don't know. I think maybe it was still part of the whole reefer madness thing. <laughs> sort of. That's not that's not an excuse either. You, you, and in the I'm, 80s, I'm not I'm not trying to defend it. It's you can't defend it, but it's that's that might be the reasoning behind it. That's what I'll say. Um in, in the eighties it was cocaine. And if they did a little coke in the room and he acted like that, then I then I get it. <laughs> yeah. Could you say so are you guys in agreement that his uh freak out was not due to being uh Charlie Sheen's brother? <laughs> tiger blood. Yeah, probably the tiger blood. But to the, the point to the teacher, and again, you have you have more credibility in this than I do, but I, I think I think part of the way he you're right, he was one note, but I think that's that's kinda how kids view teachers anyways. They don't think of their teachers as being deep people I, I didn't really think of many of my teachers that way especially someone that i didn't like who was a disciplinarian like this teacher was or this character was you don't really think of them as being anything other than a disciplinarian so from a teenage standpoint i think that was pretty accurate and the the character the teacher character is incredibly jaded which is that's you know he has no respect for teenagers anymore he's it's it's a stereotypical opinion but that's that's why i think that that he he's you know not the not the best character in the movie, but he's not supposed to be. So I think that's kind of the explanation. I get that. Is. And I kind of called him the antagonist, but I guess their, their differences, their classes are the antagonist. That's true. I mean, yeah. That's where the conflict comes from. Right. Um. So I guess my other problems were, I didn't really understand what Ali Sheedy's deal was the first half of the movie. I didn't, I didn't get her why she was quiet and and she was just so so quirky and like would do weird things. I just didn't like her. I, I didn't. Um, okay, that's that's understandable. I mean, her the other the other characters are very very stereotypical characters. The absolutely. jock and the geek and the the pretty princess, if you will. But she was kind of a stretch. I. I don't know. She 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 was an outcast and she was kind of strange. She she was a she was a wild card really. So that's that's understandable. I I kind of agree agree with that to an extent. So that's um, that's understandable. So my two biggest arguments and I and I'll kind of save the second one cuz that's kind of my <laughs> ace up my sleeve. The the biggest argument for me is that I really and coming from the perspective of a teacher who except for summers um I see teenagers every single day. I really, really don't think teenagers would open up like this together, especially, especially the criminal character, who is the first to open up, right? Not to these kids, not at school, and not in eight hours. They they would not uh, open up this way. And I, and I said this to Matt. I don't think there was a justifiable catalyst for them to open up. It seemed easy. It seemed... Maybe if the weed came out a little bit earlier in the movie, then they would open up. Um, but for for a kid, the criminal kid to be the first to open up and say, you know, um, whatever, how how dad would hit me, the half of why that kid is the way he is is the illusion he creates for himself of being this this uh, ba character shrouded in mystery. He he just would not open up. I I the problem for me with the movie at the beginning and throughout was that I couldn't buy that these characters would just so easily open up. There wasn't a justifiable catalyst for why they would open up. That's 
that's completely fair, but I will say I think the catalyst was the the um the assignment that they were given, which is that they were supposed to write like why they were in detention. I think that's what it was. Okay. Or something along those lines. And I think that that was the catalyst that caused the interaction, the opening up between them. But I agree that that is not a justifiable one. That is not a good enough reason for a bunch of kids to talk to each other like the way that they do. Because I mean, I, I think they could they could have maybe analyzed their their roles to each other and analyzed how they view the world. But I don't think that they that it would have resulted in. I think almost every character breaking into tears at one point. <laughs> That's but but again, you do have the fact that they had all just you know shared a joint together and they were kind of high and that's I can see that coming out after you smoke weed. That's they all didn't they didn't really start crying until after after yeah. they smoked weed. So that's maybe a little different. I I see I totally see your point there, but I think that that is that is a far fetched part of the a far fetched part of the uh, of the plot. Um, and, and plus, you know, the characters weren't they weren't familiar with each other before this event that takes place, with the exception of, I think, Emilio Estevez's character and Molly Ringwald's character. They were kind of tight, you know, towards the beginning, they talk about going to a party or whatever, but they were the only characters that were really familiar with each other. So uh, you, you do have a good point there, but I think it's I think I think that the viewer can get past that and just. The fact that any anybody who watches this movie can connect with one of the characters, and that connection enables you to get past that that flaw or that 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 plot hole, if you will, that you pointed out. Um, I'll say that that the scene you're referring to where they cry, um, I can buy it if there's a better catalyst for the beginning, right? right? Okay. I I I'm fine that these characters uh, deconstruct in that way eventually i just didn't feel like there was anything for the beginning of the movie that reasonably got you're right the the, the time frame is the biggest flaw of it flaw of it that they that it all happens in eight hours i agree that's 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 a good point um, but it was it was so well done that i looked past it in my opinion yeah. um so a couple more things i'll save the finale but here here's um <laughs> the estevez and Ali Sheedy falling in love or falling in lust is is probably the greatest downfall for the movie. It did nothing for the plot or for the characters. They had absolutely no connection in the movie. Um, I I get that it's very teen to fall in love in eight hours, but it hurts the point of the movie if the point is to say that um, if the point is to say teenagers are smarter than we think, and all it took was for this girl to get a makeover that he would fall in love. I, I feel like Hughes lets down his viewers um in in that scene in that final. I I think that's unfair to the characters. Okay, I completely disagree with that actually because uh uh I'm glad you picked or I'm glad that yeah I'm glad that you picked those characters in particular because the first time I saw this movie and when I watched it the most when I was a teenager the character I connected with most was Emilio Estevez is because I was a huge jock in high school. I played four sports, so that's who I connected with most. And I think one of the aspects of being being the jock is that it's not it's not it's all about image. Being a jock is so much about image, and it's not cool for him to like Ali Sheedy's character. 
So he's never even looked at that person, Ali Sheedy's character, as a potential girlfriend or someone that he could connect with. So the fact that he, once he gets past all of this, gets pla- gets past all of the disconnect between him and her and all of these other people in this library with him, he realizes that she is absolutely, she has value to him, that she's attractive, that she's interesting, that she's not just some typical, because you can tell throughout the entire movie that he does not have, he, he should be attracted to the Molly Greenwald character. That's who he should be attracted to because they're both, they, they, they travel in the same circles and whatnot, but he's not. And it's, it's completely apparent on the screen um, through both of their performances that they're not, they're not really attracted to each other. And so maybe it's out of, I don't know, out of just a lack of choices in this given event. But I think it's, it's, it's part of his character realizing that he doesn't just have to, he doesn't have to go out with the pretty popular girl. He can, it's okay for him to look at another girl that might be different or strange for other people. It's okay for him to look at her as in, in a romantic way. And I think that just opens up this whole, it's like a floodgate of him realizing what he really wants. And, and you know, it alludes part to, part, partly to him. Uh, you know, he talks about his dad a lot and how his dad is kind of in, in a way forcing him into his role as a jock. And, you know, it, it may not necessarily be exactly who he is to be a jock. So that's, that's how I think that that relationship happens that he, he just, he never looked at her that way before. And this, again, if you want to use the word catalyst, this event, this detention was a catalyst for him becoming aware of who he really was romantically. So you think that they would end up together even if she didn't get the makeover? Ooh, I don't know. That's a good point. I th- I don't know. That and that's my problem. I can agree that he he changes as a character. And if if there are a few effective characters in the movie, he's certainly one of them. Um, mm-hmm. But I the the way it's played is that she comes out dolled up and he changes his mind. Hmm. Okay. You know, he, he he can talk to her and he realizes she has value and, and she's more than just a creepy girl, but yeah, when she I comes out of the room with the makeup, he's speechless, and and that um is fine for him, and it's believable that a jock would react that way. That's that's not what I have a problem with. I yeah. think it does a disservice to Ali Sheedy's character and girls like Ali Sheedy's character. That's true. I agree with that. Yeah, it's 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 it puts the face or it makes the point that she's not she's not worthy of him until she changes herself until she gets the makeover. And which, that you're which, right. That that's a dangerous point to make. You're right. Yeah. Um. The, so I I I'll also talk about the um the Judd Nelson and Molly Ringwald. But I I'm I'm more okay with that one because I think that's definitely about lust. You know what I mean? He's dangerous and girls like bad boys. Like bad boys. That's that's fine. Uh, what I don't like is that I, I think it's pretty clear that she will forget him come Monday. You know what I mean? She kind of says that toward the beginning of the movie or the middle of the movie that this happens. And that's, and that's just a truth. Like we're learning truths about the way these class systems work. And she's going to forget him. So that, that fist pump, the, the freeze frame at the end with the fist pump is kind of an empty metaphor and that there's really no victory. 
yeah. I don't think the victory. For him, there's no victory for him, really. Right. That's right. that's the it would have made more sense to have Anthony Michael Hall's character doing the fist pump because I think he was someone. This is gonna this is gonna sound a little insensitive, but I think he's his character benefited the most from that interaction because Judd Nelson's character and Ali Sheedy's character just wouldn't have cared either way, and you know, uh, Emilio Estevez and Molly Ringwald were already popular, so they did, they had great status already, but you know he was. Anthony Michael Hall was the you know, nobody really paid attention to him. Nobody paid attention to him at all. But he he connected with all these people, so he probably had the most fun, I guess. <laughs> he he had the most connection with with what happened during that day. So you do make that is a good point that I think their their the relationship between Judd Nelson and Molly Ringwald would be very fleeting. It would be a fling type thing, uh, like most of those, you know, relationships are between a bad boy and a princess. So you have a point there. I think it would have made more sense to have Anthony Michael Hall's character do the fist pump thing at the end. And and they kind of give Anthony Michael Hall the ending with with the essay, right? Right. And that and that's kind of his victory. Um, so I, I I guess it's just cool shot to end bad guy. Right. Uh, yeah. It's I don't know. It's such an iconic thing. I guess I never really thought about it until. Until you brought it up, so that it, you do have a good point there, but iconic, I don't think iconic oh, yeah. scene is my main because you're right, it is iconic. That is yeah. my my main point about the movie, and and when I talk about, I guess I guess this is kind of summing it up, is that um, if you were to show it to audiences today, it would not be held in such high regard as. And and that's you could say that about so many movies from days past. You know what I mean? Like if you showed American Graffiti to anybody in the last forty years, they'd laugh. True. But you know, back then, and when did American Graffiti come out? The seventies. Yeah, seventies. Was 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 groundbreaking in the eighties? That um, Breakfast Club was was groundbreaking. But today, if you're gonna show movies to kids about being a teenager in high school i'll tell i'll tell a brief anecdote uh toward the end of the year after we get done taking the test i teach sophomore we get done taking the end of course assessment and just because they're burnt out i like to show a movie so i showed clueless which three of us were born in the 80s but 90s kids right right um clueless to me is a classic and definitely a cult classic today mm -hmm. and is how i remember the 90s um but they found it laughable uh, and i feel like if you showed kids today breakfast i'd rather if you could take out some of the, the vulgarities in there i'd rather show them super bad uh, <laughs> i'd rather show them mean girls um, okay so I, I i guess i guess my point is that Saw it today, would you think about how iconic it was? People wouldn't think it was great. That may be very true, but I don't think that I don't think that that devalues the film. I don't think that it makes it less timeless just because a current audience can't connect with it because of their fault. I think it's I think that that's I think that the reason why modern 
why a modern teenage audience wouldn't connect with it is I think it's their fault. I think they've become too jaded. They they can't they can't connect with things. They can't go that deep. Like I think they would appreciate the depth of the characters and to the lengths that they go to relate to one another. But you're right, they'd probably laugh at a lot of it. And I think I think that's the fault of the audience as opposed to the film. I don't think that that's what I don't think that would affect the the iconography of the film. I don't think that that would make it less timeless in my opinion, even though it kind of defeats the purpose of being timeless if you can't connect with any generation ever. But I don't know. I guess I'm not making the point very well. I think, I think you kind of win that round that it's maybe it isn't as timeless as we all think it is, but I I think, again, I think it's the fault of the audience, not the film or the choices that the filmmakers made. I I can kind of get, I can get, get on with that. Just the fact that they're not 80s. The attention span is different for kids. It is now. totally different. However, um, I will say, you know, my personal favorite '80s movie, personal favorite movie of all time, Back to the Future, which is inherently '80s. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's pretty timeless. Now, timeless in that, um, what would it be like to see your kids, teenagers? Mm, is true. Idea. Idea. Um, and that, I don't know that that would change your reaction to your parents. I don't know that that would change. The thing about the Breakfast Club is that the, the sensibilities, the types of characters, have changed. Thus, they aren't as timeless. Maybe I can see that. I mean, there's jocks are still jocks, princesses are still princesses, and even I think I, criminals are worse. Today. True. I I think I don't. I think criminals are more dangerous today. Because he he was kind of Judd Nelson's character was kind of a joke, and I think he was still likable to an extent. But I think a, a true criminal, if you want to use that moniker, would be dangerous. It would be you know like the the Asian kid who shot up Virginia Tech. That's a criminal nowadays, which is scary and it's not it's not fun. So you do have a point there. But I think I, I know I I knew people in high school who were like Judd Nelson. I knew some guys. I know some guys who are still like that. You know, they're just they don't care what people think, and they're they think they're badasses, and just because they had a rough go of it, that they're they're above everything. So I, I knew guys like that, but I, I think I get your point. But I don't know. I think jocks are always going to be jocks, and nerds are always going to be nerds. I'll I'll give you Emilio Estevez, and I'll give you Molly Ringwald, and I'll give you uh, Anthony Michael Hall. I I think they are pretty tame. Okay. Their sensibilities translate. True. Uh, I think Ali Sheedy and Judd Nelson get lost. Okay. Agree to disagree. You have you do have a point, but I think agree to disagree. Well, okay. I, I mean that's my uh, that's my piece with the movie. I just I I bring it up, and and I guess the point of this is because when I talked to Matt about it, he he and I were watching a movie, um, where they were watching The Breakfast Club, that I had never seen it. Just taken aback, <laughs> yeah. flabbergasted that I've never seen it. <laughs> and of course, my response to any movie that I haven't seen, I haven't seen them all. Right. And uh, I finally watched it. Watched it from memory. Unfortunately, as much as we love it. And I know <laughs> uh, on the Obsessive Viewer um, did John Hughes retrospective. Right. Which I guess my my piece. Planes, trains, and automobiles is probably John Hughes. 
Hmm. Best work. Hard to argue against anything that he did, really. Yeah. Except for Curly Sue. That movie was horrible. Oh, Curly <laughs> Sue. I haven't seen that in probably 20 years, man. Never seen it. It does not hold up if it even did when it was I released. Don't even know. Well, that was a really good debate, guys. Is uh, Do you have any closing arguments? I think you guys kind of closed it off. Uh, I think yourself. we did. Yeah? Right. I think we covered it, yeah. Okay. It was good. It was good. Good talking. Always good. Uh... I agree. Right. I kind of... Wrong, but I agree. <laughs> what did you say? You're wrong? Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I mean, the movie's horrible, but I see where you're coming from. That's what's great about movies. It's not about wrong or right. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yep. What you take from it. Absolutely. Yep. All we right. can agree well, though. We can agree though that Back to the Future is the best movie from the '80s, right? Ooh, that's <laughs> a loaded question. It is one of the greatest movies. Uh, yeah, it's top three from the '80s, in my opinion. What are What are your What are the other two? Oh man, see, I'm not real. I'm not real big on just picking like this is the best movie. I don't know. Um, I would have to. Uh, I'd probably have to throw in, um, Aliens. Okay. Um, maybe, uh, Empire Strikes Back. Jeez, think about 80s, dude. Indiana Jones. Yeah. I mean, that's tough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It is tough. I don't even have my one and two, or my, or my other two, uh, yeah. Wow. Back to the Future and well, Breakfast Club. <laughs> um, yeah. oh. Probably another John Hughes movie. I can't think of off the top of my head. Was I'm gonna say The Blues Brothers. Not a fan. Still not haven't fan. seen it. Okay, don't have an issue. Me... I don't. I don't have an issue with it. I'm just not a fan. Gotcha. I'm gonna. I'm gonna change that. I'm gonna actually say The Karate Kid and Empire Strikes Back. Nice. I like okay. that. Okay. I'd probably throw in. Um... Blue Velvet in there. That's one of my favorite like noirish mystery movies, and I think that was probably the best one of the '80s. But that's I don't know. I just when I think of '80s, I think of that movie. That's that's a whole other discussion. It is. <laughs> that's a weird movie. Defined a decade. That's a whole. That's a whole episode. <laughs> it is. You're right. <laughs> All right. Well. Awesome. All right. Well, great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for. Uh, duking it out here on the obsessive viewer podcast gladly anytime yeah some appreciate you. I, I appreciate you guys being civil in your discussion <laughs> <laughs> i thought it's uh thought i was gonna have to you know separate you guys um <laughs> but yeah that was a very good discussion uh hopefully 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 you can have uh vastly different opinions about other movies and you guys can <laughs> debate it debate it on there I hope awesome. so too. Yep. Me too. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, we've come to the uh, part of the podcast that is everybody's favorite part, the potpourri section of our podcast, uh, where we can talk about whatever we want as long as it smells good. Uh, nice. We can talk. Yeah, thanks. We can talk about <laughs> something we've seen, something we're looking forward to, or just uh, general smelly pieces of flora. I'll start. I just recently watched uh, Two Guns, which I know is a little late. It's been out for a while, mm-hmm. but it's the uh, Denzel Washington, Mark Wahlberg, uh, horribly titled 
action thriller, which was actually really good. Really? Really? Yeah, it was really good. It's you you don't get a whole lot of buddy cop, I guess they're not really cops. Buddy cop movies in that vein mm-hmm. anymore, and it was really really good. It was uh it it played up what we know Mark Wahlberg to be, and if and if you can get kind of past the douchiness, uh <laughs> it was awesome. And Denzel was was as Denzel-y as ever. Um good <laughs> twists, good turns. Lots of lots of one-liners. If it's a movie that didn't take it too ser- take itself too seriously, and as long as you can do the same, it's it's an enjoyable movie. I was impressed. I went in not expecting much at all, um, but I liked it a lot. That's funny because I like I saw I saw The Conjuring at a drive-in, mm-hmm. and it was part of a double bill with two guns, and we were like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, I don't really want to watch two guns," so we just left. But oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. You know, I it didn't look great initially, but but just the fact that Denzel Washington was in it mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. made me made me say it was it was worth seeing. So okay, yeah. Um, at any point, at any point in the movie, did Mark Wahlberg talk to animals? <laughs> Guys, where did the bees go? So how do you mother fool me? <laughs> so how do you mother fool me? All right, <laughs> you're a chicken. What's that like? Uh, all right, nice talking. I to like you. that. <laughs> you're a chicken. I like that. <laughs> oh, that's great! So great! Yeah. It was good. Recommend. Nice. I cool. like it. Awesome. Yeah, it's good to hear. Yeah. What about you guys? Um, I'll go next. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, I watched the movie "The Place Beyond the Pines." Ooh, oh, how was okay. that? Yeah, uh, I actually liked it a lot. Yes. Um, uh, Derek C. in France. I think that's how you say his last name. Who we also directed a mm-hmm. uh, Blue Valentine. Blue Valentine, which we just referenced. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Yep. Callback. Huh. Um. He's getting better, believe it or not, because uh, I think Blue Valentine was one of his first movies or his first major one, I mm-hmm. think, and he, he he did a great job with that, but he just hit it out of the park with uh, with Place Beyond the Pines. Nice. Um, there, in particular, there is a there is a um, chase scene. It's it's a car chase that turns into a foot chase. Huh. It's cool. one of the best I've ever seen. Really. Um, and it's very simple. It's not. There's nothing. There's nothing particular. The most noteworthy thing about it is the way it's filmed, uh, the point of view that it's filmed from, and huh. just the, the the tone of it. It's very. It's very realistic, and it's. It's just exciting. It's, man, I re- I really loved it. I was I was. It's something that I would have expected to see in a Bourne movie. Oh wow! But. It was in a, a cool drama, so that was the highlight of the film. But um, the acting is great all around. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a really interesting movie. It's a little long, right? It's like two and a half hours, right? Yeah, it's almost two and a half hours long. But it's it's really good though. It's it, it could have used a little bit of editing, but uh, during the second act especially. But uh, it's it didn't it didn't really drag or anything. Okay. Uh, cool. I highly recommend it. The cast is phenomenal too. It is. It is. Um, nice. Okay. Yep. Awesome. That's Matt, cool. what about you? I just recently, just today, before we started recording, actually, I watched uh, on Netflix. They, you know what? I'll just I'll just go ahead and talk about this. They posted on Netflix um, Mike Birbiglia's latest special, um, mm-hmm. uh, stand-up special. If you're a fan of his, he also made a, a Sleepwalk with Me, the movie last year. Um, but his latest movie or his latest stand-up special is uh, my girlfriend's boyfriend, 
mm-hmm. which I don't know for sure if it's if it's if it's this the stage show that he was touring the country with, but it was it was fantastic. If you're a fan of his comedy, definitely check it out. Hmm. Um because is it's it, go ahead. Is it new is it new material or is it old stuff or a mixture? It's uh it's a mixture. It's it's a it's almost a perfect blend of kind of old material kind of interwoven in this in this main uh main story. Um it's actually really interesting because it's um it's really interesting because it's it's plotted like a movie. This his storytelling has just has just uh gotten better. His own has only gotten better. Nice. Um yeah, and it's it's the funny thing is is after I saw um after I saw Sleepwalk with me, all I could think about was I hope that he makes my girlfriend's boyfriend into a movie. Um because um I I remember the story, the the story from his past stand up specials about my girlfriend's boyfriend. Um, and I, I just got a kick out of it. I, I, I thought the story was hilarious. Um, and I would have loved to see it on a movie, but in a movie, but with this new stand special, it's, that's a small piece of it. It's like an overarching, like there's, there's a, there's a bigger plot about that. He goes, uh, he goes back, uh, um, back and forth to and from. Okay. Um, but by the Ooh. end, by the end, I was just like, I, I like, I, if we weren't recording, I probably would have, I probably would have started it over again. And I don't say that about a lot of things. Um, wow. Yeah. But, um, and then that kind of leads me to talk about Netflix. They recently announced that they're going to expand and, and they're going to fund and, and have exclusive deals and stuff with, uh, documentaries and, and comedy specials. Like they just announced it. Uh, Aziz Ansari's new comedy special is going to be ex- exclusive to Netflix. Nice. Yeah. So I think, See? I think it's cool because I think that's that's a good, that's like the next logical step for them in their rise to power. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I, I feel like they they're going after like HBO and the other premium networks, and that's that's I mean they're they're hitting all their marks. I I think that's that's how I feel. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see what they do, and I, I'm very curious. Eventually, I'm, sh- I, I, without a doubt, I'm sure that they're they're planning on doing like original movies and stuff like that. And I'm very curious about that. Um, yeah, and then so th- so that's what's been on my mind. And I wanted to briefly mention real quick that I watched uh, Moonraker, the Bond movie, <laughs> and. I love it. There was there was a scene that in the climax of the movie. The climax of the movie takes place in space, and it's guys, bad guys, and good guys. It kind of goes back to the last um, Yahoo Answers episode when I talked about Thunderball, how there was a scuba suit fight between good guys and bad guys. It's the same basic thing, only it was in space with guys in spacesuits in like open air space, mm-hmm. and they had laser guns. And I was like, this is a Bond movie I'm watching right now. This is amazing. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. That's funny. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, so that about wraps it up. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah, that uh, that brings us to the end of the Obsessive Viewer podcast. Thank you guys for listening so much. We love more than anything to hear what you guys have to say. We want comments. We want messages. We want you to agree with us. We want you to disagree with us. Uh, and we want you to let us know what you guys would like to hear. So with that information, you can email us at um, 
ovpodcast at gmail.com. That's our email. You can find us at Twitter. Uh, I am at I am Mike White. Tiny is at Obsessive Tiny. Matt is at Obsessive Viewer. Uh, of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Just search for Obsessive Viewer. Be sure to write us a review. Uh, so come back next week for the kickoff of our season finale of the Obsessive Viewer podcast. Matt, Tiny, be excellent to each other. Uh, and listeners, thank you as always for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks. I know that you two guys hang on <laughs> we, we do don't... hang on <laughs> <laughs> we both went to the same place <laughs> but the opposite sides of the coin <laughs> very nice alike yep that was beautiful <laughs>